You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 354 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, June 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, as always. Great stuff across the network, all in reaction to the draft last week, which was pretty uneventful, which is why I didn't do a podcast talking about it, because the Raptors did literally nothing. Uh, but other teams did do stuff. If you want to hear the reaction from the Mavs guys, from Locked On Mavs and to the Luka Doncic trade, or from Brad Rowland on Locked On Hawks to the other side of that trade, or anything else that happened draft night or since then, make sure you're checking out that uh, corresponding show on the network. Locked On Fantasy is going to have draft re- reaction stuff sort of breaking down where these guys who are picked are going to fall in fantasy-wise next season. Uh, and then there's Locked On NBA daily across the whole week with different hosts as well. Uh, great stuff for you. Uh, as we get ready for free agency, there was a trade today. Uh, Austin Rivers for Marching Gortat. You know, you got to love that. I guess if the Raptors play the Wizards again, you're not going to be too worried about Marching Gortat ruining your day, um, although he was kind of ass this season. But hey, if you want to hear about that, Locked On Wizards, Locked On Clippers, uh, make sure you're checking out those shows. And if you find a show you like, including this one, Locked On Raptors, on iTunes uh, that you like on the feed, make sure you subscribe to its own separate iTunes feed or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you use. It's very helpful, helps to move us up the rankings, makes us more discoverable, all that good stuff. We're over 100 ratings now, which is uh, very nice. So thanks to anyone who's done that. If you haven't yet, please leave a nice rating or review. It's very helpful, as I said. Uh, it makes me feel good, too. Uh, Alright, on today's show, uh, there's still not anything going on really with the Raptors, so I just I, I didn't do one yesterday because there was nothing going on, and I had some work and uh, softball commitments, so I didn't end up having time to do one, and I, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be a little sporadic here for the next few days. Got a lot of stuff going on work-wise um, and some friends and stuff in from out of town who I haven't seen in months and months. So as long as the Raptors stay quiet, it might be more of like a three-day-a-week something like that for the podcast. I'm going to have one definitely on Friday with our pal Dan Grant. We're going to do a little fun project for that one. Uh, and I'll definitely have one either tomorrow or Thursday, one of those two days, and we'll sort of just sort of tee up what's coming in free agency. But there's just not a lot to talk about right now. So I don't want to sort of drone on about nothingness that I've talked about a million times. So I hope you understand that. If uh, it's a big problem, please let me know, and I can try to record more podcasts. But uh, I think it should be good until stuff really starts to happen. But the thing is, I don't think the Raptors are going to do anything. That's uh, I think the Raptors offseason, aside from Fred Van Vliet, which I'll talk about a little bit more in depth later in the show, uh, I think it's pretty much going to be you know what it is. It's going to be pretty quiet. There's not going to be much happening. But there is some news to talk about, I suppose. Uh, not really all that important, I guess, to the grand scheme of things, but some news. So we'll talk about that quickly, and then I have a few uh, questions from listeners that I'll get to, some interesting ones, actually. So stay tuned for those at the end of the show. Uh, let's get to some news and notes though first. I guess Dwayne Casey winning Coach of the Year is something we should touch on. Um, he won Coach of the Year last night at the NBA Awards, which I did not watch because I did not want to subject myself to that. I find out who wins the awards on Twitter, and I'm good with that. Um, yeah, Dwayne Casey wins the award, of course. Congrats to Dwayne Casey, first of all. It's an awesome honor. I think it's totally deserved. I think what he did with the Raptors this season, changing the way they played, it was not easy to do, and the fact that the Raptors did it so successfully... Obviously, that ties into Dwayne Casey and his job that he did as a, as a great head coach. And he, the big picture-ness of his coaching ability, I think, 
good English Sean, uh, it really sort of shone through this season in that he sort of worked and massaged the relationships that he has with the best players on the team and sort of convinced them to buy into something that was going to be eventually something that would better the team. And even though it didn't go well in the playoffs, I think you'd be sort of missing the point, I think, to say that the Raptors' offense didn't sort of keep up. And that, that was kind of the biggest issue, right? And that was the sort of season-long goal. And yes, the defense became its own issue, and that will require its own culture reset or whatever the hell you want to call it uh, as we move into next season. But the offense stuck, and it stayed good, and it stayed sustainable and all that stuff. And I think the regular season really showed through um, in the playoffs. And a lot of that goes to Dwayne Casey. So congrats to him. I'm glad he's coaching with the Pistons now. It's it's nice that he's going to be close by. A little rivalry juice for that Detroit-Toronto rivalry, which is not really anything all that special, but probably should be. Um, in theory, it'd be kind of nice if there was like a playoff matchup between the two. That'd be cool. Um, and, and yeah, I'm happy Dwayne Casey landed on his feet, and he definitely deserves all the credit he's going to get. And... I also kind of understand sort of the instant jokes that came out about the Raptors, the jokes about the Twitter account, uh, which was pretty funny. The the Pistons doing their own little shot at the Raptors for c- congrats, Coach Dwayne. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows what that is by now when the Raptors tweeted that after he won the Coach's Award after being fired. Awkward stuff, for sure, and I, I like that the Pistons kind of dunked on the Raptors a little bit. That was kind of cool. Um, I feel like there were some people out there sort of revisiting the whole should the Raptors have actually let Dwayne Casey go narrative and question and I don't think Dwayne Casey winning a winning an award that is voted on by media members at the end of the regular season before the playoffs take place I don't really think that should really play into the minds of what the Raptors wanted to do and I think it was kind of ballsy of Masai Ujiri to say like all right you know we have to make a move here even though it might not be the best optically and might make us look bad for a little while you know, I think I can totally buy why they made the move, and I'm totally in on it at this point, and I, I'm excited for Nick Nurse, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting, and of course, they hired Adrian Griffin yesterday, which we'll get to as well um, in this news and notes section, but yeah, with the Dwayne Casey thing, I don't think him winning Coach of the Year, once again, when the voting happened before everything that happened in the playoffs, should really tie in or sort of retroactively make it a bad decision by the Raptors. I think it's, it's going to be... Probably a win for both sides. I, I mean, I mean, hopefully things go well for Dwayne in Detroit. I'm not sure. I'm not sold in that roster. But, um, you know, he's going to get paid to be the Raptors coach. Or, or Pistons coach while also picking up a check from the Raptors. That's pretty good for Dwayne. Happy he's getting the bag this year. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think the, the Raptors needed to make a decision. And they couldn't do it based on the voting that might go down for an award that Brad Stevens seemed like he was going to win anyway. Um, I'm kind of surprised Dwayne actually won. I think the push for Brad Stevens at the end of the season was pretty strong considering how the Celtics finished with nobody healthy, but uh, I guess that's not what the voters cared about. I guess they looked at the long game, which honestly kind of surprises me in the full course of the season. I think Dwayne probably did deserve it, but um, I was expecting Brad Stevens to win. I really was. And, uh, you know, again, congrats to Dwayne Casey, but I don't think you can sort of hinge your decision as a franchise based on whether or not a guy is going to win an award voted on by the media. That's just kind of how it comes down to me for that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Congrats to Dwayne. Congrats to Fred Van Vliet for finishing third in the voting for Sixth Man of the Year. That's pretty cool as well. Uh, the Raptors not super heavily attended at the uh, award ceremony. Not a whole lot of recognition. But, hey, you know, they had a good season and it was fun and we know exactly what they were. And it's not like – and the team sort of was not very conducive to individual stand-up performances. You know, think about how 
the good the bench was and stuff like that, um, and how sort of Kyle and Demar each sort of seeded a little bit of responsibility. Even though Demar finished eighth in MVP voting, which is pretty cool as well, the second highest Raptors ever finished behind Chris Bosh in 0607. So that's pretty nuts, but um, and deserve it as well. I think Demar had a great season, and you know while he's not as good as Kyle, had a very good season worthy of recognition. Um, but yeah, it's okay. The Raptors didn't have a ton of luck at the awards, but that's cool. Um, they felt a little awkward, I guess, when Dwayne Casey won it. That's cool too. Um, you know, you move on and you don't sort of hinge your decisions on an award that usually just goes to the most surprising coach anyway, not necessarily the best coach. And like, I don't think you'd be like, I mean, the Raptors had Lou Williams, for example, Lou Williams won an award six man of the year. It's not like the Raptors were like, okay, we have to keep this guy now because he won this award voted on by the media. Like he, you know, went away. And I think it was probably a better thing for the Raptors that he wasn't on the team anymore. And that's just how it goes. Like you can't use these awards to dictate your franchise. And I think that's what Masai is really good at. He's not really perturbed by the optics of anything. So uh, good on Dwayne Casey for winning. Good on the Raptors for not using the potential of him winning to sort of scare them out of making a move that might look weird PR-wise. And uh, yeah, that's about all I got. Uh, also, Adrian Griffin, I guess the other bit of news, hired by the Raptors as an assistant coach away from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I don't know that much about Griffin as in terms of like what his specialties are. I know he was a very good defensive player when he was in the NBA. He's been a top-rated assistant around the league for a long time as well. Uh, been the top assistant on, I think, two or three teams at this point. And it seems, you know, I think if Nick Nurse has tabbed him as a guy he wants... And, you know, in fairness, there were a couple of guys that he wasn't able to get his hands on. Chris Finch from the Pelicans, uh, who used to coach against Nick Nurse in England. And I think it was actually featured in the Eric Green piece I talked about last week. Um, yeah, he, so he was uh, rebuffed, the, or I guess the Raptors' request to talk to him was rebuffed by the Pelicans. So they didn't get him. They offered Sarunas Yasakevichis, according to reports, the assistant lead assistant job with the Raptors as well. He said no. Kind of surprised at that, actually, considering when we talked last week or two weeks ago with Donatus Abonis... Donatus or bonus. I am just lost today. Um, when we talked to Donatus a couple weeks ago, he mentioned that, you know, Sarunas wasn't really expecting that kind of job offer, and he kind of speculated as to whether or not he might jump ship to become an assistant in the NBA. Um, so being offered a lead assistant job is no, like, small potatoes, so I'm surprised he didn't exactly take it, but hey, you know, it's good for him, I guess. He'll continue to be head coach. I think uh, Zalgaris ended up winning the Lithuanian League. They were in the middle of the finals when we talked to Donatus a couple weeks ago. Maybe he wants to continue to flesh out that resume a little bit. You know, he's only been a coach for a couple seasons. That's totally understandable. Uh, so Adrian Griffin was the third choice for Nick Nurse, but if Nick Nurse has him tabbed, I kind of trust him. Um, and I trust that he's going to bring some innovative ideas because that's all Nick Nurse has talked about. He's wanted guys, A, who have a lot of experience, and Adrian Griffin has had a lot of experience. He's, you know, 43 years old, but he's been a coach for a decade at this point after leaving the league and you know I think if that's the kind of guy that that Nick Nurse tabbed I, obviously there's some sort of attraction there so benefit of the doubt I guess until we're proven incorrectly but uh hopefully his sideline interviews are good I guess that's the biggest thing with an assistant coach aside from like schemes and boring stuff like that are they good as a sideline interview we're losing Jama who was the most energetic guy in the world to the 905 so we don't know how that's going to be obviously Tom Sterner was a big loss a couple years ago um Nick Nurse was never the most interesting sideline interview guy but hey he you know had, had served his purpose 
So whole new crop. Rex Kalamian's gone as well. Whole new crop of guys who we're going to be talking to at halftime. That is what I'm concerned about. That's what you should be concerned about too. Um, so maybe Adrian Griffin's going to be good. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, again, if Nick Nurse has tabbed him and he has him on the list for a specific reason, then I think that's probably a pretty good pickup. And uh, we'll see how he sort of fashions a defense. The Thunder defense last season before Andre Roberson got hurt was very good. Not exactly sure sort of the pie chart of how much Adrian Griffin's involved in that, but that was a good defensive team. Obviously, they had good defensive players, but they also built a good defense with Russell Westbrook at the head of the snake, and he's not a good defender at all. So obviously, there's something there with Griffin or what what the Thunder were doing, and maybe Griffin had a role in that. I don't know, but um, it seems like a pretty decent pickup. Okay, let's uh, get to some listener questions now. All right, first question here comes from Gorge Jarbahosa. I heard England is the regular season Raptors of the World Cup group play. Please discuss. Uh, so I'm an England fan, uh, and I am troubled by how much this kind of rings true. Um, so here's the deal with England, if you're not much of a World Cup fan, which you should be. The World Cup freaking rules. Um, so England is in the group with Belgium, uh, Tunisia, and Panama. They've played Panama and Tunisia so far. They beat Panama 6-1 on Saturday. They beat Tunisia 2-1 in kind of a close game that probably shouldn't have been as close, uh, but they played mostly well for it. And they play Belgium on Thursday to wrap up the group and can potentially win the group and set themselves up uh, for the knockout round with the number one seed in Group H or Group G. Yeah, Group G, I think they're in. Um, So here's the deal. The regular season Raptors comparison makes a lot of sense because Tunisia and Panama are two bad teams that England beat up on. They have yet to be really be challenged by the best team in the group, Belgium, and that could very much be like their Cavs game where they get exposed for not being nearly as good as a top-level talent. It remains to be seen. The other thing, too, that's a little bit troubling is that if England do win the group and get the number one seed, they might screw themselves into the harder part of the bracket. Part of the bracket that will include teams like Brazil and Germany and like France and the other side of the bracket, the the side that they'll get into if they finish second in the group, will leave them with, you know, a pretty easy sort of clear-cut path to a potential semifinal, even a final if things go well, because a lot of the good teams, because of the weird stuff that's gone on in the group with Germany not, not going to be able to win their group in all likelihood and some other weird stuff going on with Brazil, it is very likely that uh, England is going to end up in a you know a part of the bracket that is a lot harder if they end up winning this group and if they sort of continue their regular season success that is going to you know I guess regular season success as it were the group being the regular season if they continue it they get the number one seed like the Raptors did they will screw them into a bad bracket like the Raptors have done the last two years so that's great that is very promising and encouraging uh, and I didn't really think of all those connections especially the seeding and screwing themselves out of the easier path thing until uh, our friend Gorhe Jabrahosa asked the question and now I'm I'm convinced that they're gonna lose to like Brazil in the quarterfinals and that's gonna be it and that's gonna be a bummer but hey. Uh, that's how it goes, I suppose, and you will sort of look back and say, hey, they had a really good group play, and it was fun, and I enjoyed watching the young players on England look successful for a little bit, and then I'll rationalize it to myself, I'll say it's fine, and move on to the next tournament, and just uh, t- try to forget about it and try to enjoy what happened, but all the while knowing that there might have been a better path out there uh, in which England do go further in the tournament. So, very classic Raptors. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for bringing that to my attention. I'm going to go have some drinks. Uh, next question here from Blair Agnew. Why is there so little discussion about ways to improve rebounding? Outside of JV and Kyle, the Raptors have weak rebounding, which hurt them during the season and the playoffs. With that, who are affordable rebounders on the market? 
So this is a tough one because the Raptors were a good rebounding team this season. They were among the better rebounding teams. I don't the NBA stats page is not loading for me right now, so I don't have the exact numbers, but they were definitely one of the better defensive rebounding teams in the league. Jonas is a big part of that. He played 20 something minutes, and when he was on the court, he just vacuumed up boards. Um Jakob Pertl, also a pretty good rebounder, more of an offensive rebounder, I guess, than a defensive rebounder, but hey, they all count. Um, and yeah, but I, there were times for sure. There were certain games. I remember a game early in the season, I think against the Spurs where the offensive rebounding really killed them. There was that game against the Thunder, I believe that really killed them. There were certain games that, you know, that took place. It wasn't really like a regular trend where it happened like every other game, but there were games where it was really pronounced and it absolutely killed the Raptors. Happened a couple times in the playoffs, I think against the Wizards, maybe in game two or game three or four. Um, and yeah, it's not the best way to live when you have those games where you're prone to getting killed on the boards if Jonas has foul trouble or whatever. Um, I do think there's ways of it improving within the roster itself. I think, you know, OG Ananobi didn't rebound a whole lot this season. I think he was at two and a half a game, something like that. But I think he has sort of the the build and the potential to potentially do that a little bit more. Also, Pascal Siakam rebounded much better near the end of the season, started picking up some bigger rebound totals when he was out there. And I think that's something you want, right? I think if you want uh, to sort of diversify your offense a little bit, have different ball handlers and whatnot. Having Pascal grab a rebound and run a break right off the rebound is a pretty nice way to do that. And I think um, he got a little bit better at that, a little bit more sort of prone to searching for those rebounds. Remember, he started off as a guy who would just leak out, right? Uh, I think he has some habits that he has to work on. You remember back in his first season, one of the really only positive things he would do would be leak out off of uh, d- defensive misses or d- forced misses on defense and get really sort of outlet passes from Kyle Lowry. That was one of the only things he really brought to the table as a rookie. Um, and I think he's kind of training himself a little bit to more be more of a glass crasher at the back because he can make things happen when the ball is in his hands. Um, and I think he got better near the end of the season. Even Serge Ibaka... He was not particularly good, per se, but I think in the situations, you know, as rare as they were, where he was asked to play the five and rebound for that position, I think he did pretty well. Um, You know, again, that didn't happen all that often. It was more so in the early part of the season, but there were a lot of games where he was thrown at the five, and they rebounded totally fine when he was on the court. I think his numbers, they weren't quite Jonas level when he played the five, but I think it was something like a 24, 25% rebounding rate for himself. Uh, when he was on the court playing the five, which is pretty nice. It might have been 22 or 23, but still, it was not like he was getting completely bludgeoned out there, uh, and the Raptors were pretty much fine in those in those situations. It was the crunch time offense that really killed them. It wasn't the fact that they couldn't rebound. So I think there's like, it, I, maybe that it's being a little bit overstated that they're not a very good rebounding team. I think, yeah, some games, yeah, they could get killed, but for the most part, there are nice rebounders out there. I think... Jakob Pertl is probably just going to continue to improve on that end. I mean, he's a he's a good rebounder as it is. He's got good instincts, offensively in particular, and there's no reason he can't be a good defensive rebounder. I, I guess he's got to sort of sh- strengthen up a little bit, but um, you know, teams don't really crash the offensive glass quite as much as they used to. And you know, I think to have an offensive rebounder, that's probably a bit more of a of a harder to teach skill than just sort of being around the defensive glass, but that could totally be wrong. That's just a theory of mine. But I think Yak's got good enough instincts on the offensive end that it should translate to the defensive end in theory. Um, and yeah, they're not great in terms of DeMar. And although DeMar did get, have a better season rebounding than he ever has this year. Um, and, and like their wings are kind of small. Norm's not going to rebound. CJ Miles isn't really going to rebound. DeLon Wright, I think, can sort of you know reach a little bit more of potential there but like Kyle Lowry is such a good rebounder for his position and and his size that I think it kind of dwarfs what the other guys do and kind of makes it look a little less impressive by comparison but um I don't think it's like a huge problem and in terms of guys the Raptors can add 
it's going to be tough. Like, there's just not that many guys available who you you will fit in what the Raptors have. I mean, the Raptors will have some exceptions, minimums or whatever. Uh, the taxpayer ex- mid-level or the non-taxpayer mid-level. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen there. There's actually a question about that, so we'll save it. But it's not that, like, it's not a very robust free agent market. I mean, what do you want? Like a Cole Aldrich? You want a Tyler Zeller? You want a... I don't even know. Like, it's not like it's an impressive collection of guys out there. You know, Tarek Black... Maybe, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, just going down the list here of guys who are available, a lot of these guys are probably going to get paid more. You want to give me Amir Johnson on a cheap minimum deal? Hell yeah, let's bring it back. Uh, I'm not sure how much he'd be worthy of playing, considering he's kind of broken down at this point, but uh, I'm down for that all the way. If you could find a way to get Ed Davis, count me in for that. He was fantastic this year for the Blazers, especially rebounding-wise. Um, on a smaller team, you know, he was such a essential player for them playing center uh was an excellent defensive anchor and then cleaned up a lot of those possessions defensively by grabbing those boards so maybe give me ed davis uh just anyone who used to play for the raptors i guess <laughs> is what i'm saying here um but yeah it's not like there's a lot of guys quincy Acey's out there too give me quincy Acey. uh is reggie evans available i don't know um but yeah i, I just i don't think it's that big of a concern i think especially as the league goes smaller and skews smaller and smaller um, they can get away with it a little bit more. And you have Jonas, who was very much one of the best defensive rebounders in the entire league. And if you keep him around, you're always going to have an antidote. If you have a game where it's not working so well, you have a lineup that's not working so well, in crunch time you're getting hurt a little bit, throw in Jonas and say, all right, like right, we're good there now. Because he is kind of a one-man sort of patch for any rebounding issues that you might have. Uh, next question here. This one comes from This Is Fine at RapsFan1237. Uh, and this is one that I might go a little bit yelly on. Why is it so imperative to dodge the tax? Raptors are good. MLSE has been raking in money and ticket prices are up. Make the billionaires pay for more for fuck's sakes. I agree. We have been sort of, I've been talking about the Raptors within the context of sort of ducking the tax this summer. And that's probably dumb because it's not my money. Why am I counting Rogers and Bell's money? Why am I counting the money of the two companies that essentially run the country? I think the Raptors, yes, the playoffs kind of skewed maybe how good this team is. Maybe they weren't the 59-win title contender that we all thought they were. But I think 59 wins and having room to grow with young guys on the team is probably enough to say, yeah, pay the tax for this team. Masai has always said he's had the green light to pay for the tax, but we're five years into this run now, and the Raptors haven't paid the tax yet. I am totally on board with the Raptors just paying the tax for a year. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. One, the companies that own the Raptors are rich as hell. Uh, they are multi-million dollar telecommunications, multi-billion dollar telecommunications giants that essentially run the country, uh, pay the goddamn tax on the basketball team. It's not that hard. Uh, and it's not my money, so what do I give a shit? Uh, and then also with the Raptors, like it's not like they had to do it many years in a row, right? Like This doesn't have to be a repeater team. Next season, it becomes a little bit easier to move some of these contracts, whether it's Serge Ibaka or, or Kyle Lowry or whoever, depending on how this season goes. Maybe Norm Powell re- reboots his value a little bit and you can deal him somewhere. Maybe a team wants CJ Miles at the deadline. Maybe, you know, there's lots of ways in which they could get rid of some money next summer that might be a little bit trickier this summer because there's no money around the league and teams seem to be hoarding that cap space a little bit. Um, and, you know, the Raptors just don't have the leverage to really trade any of these guys to get anything back so i think they're in a better situation to just hang on to them i mean norman powell we talk about norm all the time 
I would rather just like take a bet on him being good next season as opposed to just giving him up and seeing him become good on another team, to be honest. Unless you can get something of tangible value back, whether it's a pick or something like that, which I don't think you're going to really get at this point because of the salary implications. Like I think in a vacuum, you could get something for Norman Powell, but the fact that a team that will be trading for him before June 1st or July 1st in theory will have to then be okay with absorbing the new salary that is going to kick in at the start of next month. I think that is going to really hinder the trade value there, especially, you know, you look around the league, not much is being traded, right? It's, or there's just not a lot of room. No teams have wiggle room. So I just don't think you're going to get anything back for these contracts that are easy to dump. If you can get something, you know, or get off of Serge Ibaka for a neutral return, great. It's not happening this summer. So the Raptors, I think, are in a better position to just get out of all this tax hell next year. And in the meantime, just pay the damn tax for one year. Bring back Fred Van Vliet, who proved he was like the third or fourth most important player on the Raptors this season. He was excellent. He just came third in sixth man of the year voting. He should get better. It would be a bit of a, a bummer to see him go become, you know, the starting point guard for the Phoenix Suns or something, right? Like, you'd rather try to keep that guy in-house and pay him for the work that he did over two years. That's the guy that you developed. You don't want to see that go anywhere else. So, if you're the Raptors, just, like, pay the goddamn tax. It's not that hard. Um, and, yes, I know there are, you know, financial considerations for all companies, and they don't become multi-billion dollar companies without making shrewd decisions, but... With the basketball team, the prices that uh, this is fine mentioned at RapsFan1237, I just want to know this guy's name because he's been a fan of the show for a long time. Um, if like the, the prices have gone insane, like the it's not it's not even affordable to go to games anymore. The fact that they're making so much money off this team, I agree. Just pay the goddamn tax. That's my new motto. Pay the goddamn tax and like just deal with it after and a year from now. If you if it was so untenable that you can't do it again, get off some deals. You it'll be easier to do that. And even then, if they take two years to get off these deals, they have to wait till Kyle or sorry, yeah, Kyle and Serge's contracts expire. You're still not paying repeater taxes, but because it requires three out of four years in a certain span for you to pay the repeater. If you pay it two years in a row. So you're, not, you're not worrying about that. So I just just pay the goddamn tax is what I'm saying. Um, that's going to do it, I think, for this episode. I'm going to wrap it there. Uh, I got one or two more questions that I'll get to at another time. Unfortunately, just got a little time constraint today. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review on iTunes is the best way to support the show, as always. If you can leave a rating, uh, five stars is lovely. A little comment is uh, even more appreciated because it provides feedback. It helps me inform the show and build the show. Um, so thank you for that. I'll be back again probably on Thursday night if I'm being realistic. Uh, I have a friend from out of town coming in from Edmonton who I haven't seen in months and months and months uh, on Wednesday. So I don't think I'll really be around to do a podcast. If anything breaks like crazy, well, I'll try to pull off something. Um, but until then, I'll be back again on Thursday. And then Friday, like I said, myself and Dan Grant are going to have a little fun little project or sad little project, whatever you, whatever your preference is there. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. And I might even do a podcast on like Saturday or live podcast on Sunday on the first day of free agency as things break. Because I ain't doing shit because it's going to be crazy hot this weekend in Toronto. And I don't really want to go for Canada Day celebrations because that's terrible. So um, I will be you know, just kind of hanging by my computer and TV and be able to record anything if anything happens on July 1st, although it seems like LeBron might hold all that stuff up too, so great. Um, So yeah, we'll have more than a couple podcasts for you before Sunday is up, I'll say that, even if tomorrow we go without one. Um, Follow me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, follow the show at LockdownRaptors, subscribe, rate, review, as I said three times, I think, already, Uh, and we will talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors.